All right, this morning we will have Wayne coming and sharing with us. And I've got a couple of Bible readings uh, to get through. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And Luke two twenty-one through 22 and then 39 through 52. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went up to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first, because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored up all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Thank you, Daniel. So, it's one of my favorite passages, two of my favorite passages, and you've got them in the handout. It's a very interesting interesting passage when, when, you, when you look into it, in the, in the Luke 2 one in particular. When, because Jesus is 12 years old. Now, we're not actually sure if what they, it, this year, this current season of time that we live in, when a Jewish boy turns 13, many of you would know that he would go through a bar mitzvah ceremony. And what that means is he joins the company of men. He's not actually a man, but he leaves behind childhood and he, and he joins the company of men so that he will learn to be a man and he'll be a lear- learn to be a man who lives under the law of God. But his father is actually responsible for his development before this as well. So it's a really fascinating conversation. And so for Jesus to be sitting in the temple and having a dialogue about the law with the, with the leaders and the teachers of the law, it, it would not necessarily have been enormously surprising because his dad 
would have been raising him and teaching him the law as he's growing up. So by the time he's 12, which in our system means he's in first year of high school, he's, he's got thoughts that he's formed and the whole way that the system worked was a question and answer conversation where he would ask questions and rabbis would ask him questions and he would respond with questions that, that they knew that he understood what they were saying. So you don't actually, and often you don't give answers. Your answer is a question which shows that you've understood their question and you've understood the Word of God. It's a fascinating way of learning about what's going on rather than just filling, filling people's heads with knowledge. What I want to focus on this morning is the fact that Jesus grew up prepared for pressure. And I've got this picture on the screen behind me. I took this photo in our hotel in Jerusalem, uh, not a couple of several days into our stay. And uh, many of the rooms had been vacated because some of the large tour groups that, had, that were there for tours, they obviously couldn't tour, and they just returned home. So there was many empty rooms, and someone uh, somewhere in the world had uh, paid for 50 families from the uh, Surat City to come and to stay there. Now, Surat City was one of those that was really devastated by the October 7 Hamas attacks. It's a city in which people live regularly with rockets being fired at them. At the Welcome the King of Glory gathering, we heard a brief report from a pastor in Sadat, uh, and we prayed for him, and he was returning back to that region just to, because there's all hands on deck, so many people distraught, displaced, uh, the trauma that they've experienced is uh, beyond anything that we certainly know here in Australia. What you can see in the photo, I hope, you can see one of the fathers there uh, with something that you wouldn't necessarily see a father with in a hotel in Australia. Can you see what it is? Is a machine gun. Uh, this is normal. If you're in military service and you're actually on active duty, you carry your weapon with you everywhere you go, even to the little place where you go and sit down by yourself. You take it with you. It never leaves you. It's always there. And so this is the normal for these families and for these children they put together, there was several tables of games and toys for the children to choose from. Uh, in this room, the, at the other end of the room, there was a, uh, a Jewish band playing um, songs and creating, trying, trying to create a fest, not a festive, I won't say a festive, but a, a, a comforting atmosphere. Thank you, Julie. A comforting atmosphere for families and children traumatised by war. And I thought that the little girl, and I just, I just captured this by accident, was trying to take photos with discreetly. If you, you know, you can appreciate the context, I'm sure. You just, you're wanting to capture things, and that little girl with her arm raised, she's actually just dancing. But I thought it was a powerful statement because these children, actually, their parents are training them under pressure. 
This is our normal. They normally have pressure. They normally have rockets fired at them. They normally are sheltering in their strong room in their house. That is their normal life regularly. What happened on October 7th is not normal to have Hamas terrorists running rampant through their city, murdering, killing people. But that's the bit of the context of Jesus different. But you remember Jesus himself grew up in Israel when it was occupied by the Romans at that time where the Romans were mistreating Jews all the time. You should be familiar, at least, a little bit with that history. And so I think it's important for all of us today to think about how are we preparing ourselves and our children for the pressure that's coming as all the things that Jesus said would accompany his return begin to unfold. I'll touch on that a bit more later. One of the stories we saw, we saw this report on the television while we were away and it was was a bedside interview of a 72-year-old former IDF paratrooper who had saved his kibbutz, his kibbutz is his community, when the Hamas terrorists broke in on that Saturday morning, October 7th. Now the reason he's credited with saving his kibbutz is because every kibbutz has a a security officer. Someone in the community that's responsible to train people in, in security. Now again, this is something that's so far beyond what we think about. We, in, in your suburb, I mean, we pay our local government to have some patrol cars that drive around and all that, but we don't have someone who's training us in weaponry and skills and what to do and all these kind of things, but they do. And this old paratrooper, he had been relentless in training his kibbutz in what to do in a, if a situation like this, which no one ever thought would happen, but he trained them. And their kibbutz was one of the few places where not many people were damaged or taken hostage or killed because they knew what to do. When it broke out, they knew what to do because they'd done the practice drills over and over again, grumbling, complaining, oh, what's the point of this? It'll never happen. And then the day it happened, it's like, thank God, praise. They were, they were all singing his praises, right? He, he was in a hospital bed because after taking out several of the tem- terrorists, he eventually ran out of ammunition and he was shot and wounded and he had had his, his leg amputated above the knee. He was alive, many other people were alive because he had prepared himself and them. So the question is, how are we preparing ourselves for the thing, for the events the Bible says, the pressure that's going to come preceding the return of Jesus? I was inspired by the Texas Baptist men. How many of you know about the Texas Baptist men? It's a group of Texas Baptist men. 
Within 48 hours of the Hamas um, incursion into Israel on October the 7th, volunteers from the Texas Baptist men were preparing over 2,000 meals a day for war victims in Israel and they are continuing to do that, provide thousands of meals a day throughout the conflict within 48 hours. They were doing this. John Travis Smith, who's the Associate Executive Director of TBM, who coordinates their Israel relief, said, we have trained in Israel for years to deploy like this. In the middle of all that's happening, Texas Baptist men is delivering help, hope and healing. TBM volunteers are working alongside an Israeli partner in a secure location. And the volunteers are rotating in and out of Israel with 20 men from Texas in place now. Uh, Those guys were substituted out on October 24th and a new team is in there right now. In addition to the mass feeding by these volunteers, they've also, TBM have also provided $150,000 US to transport medical professionals from the United States to help treat people affected by the war. Um, now again, this is, I'm telling you this because they began this in 2018. These men, these, this guy and some other men were looking and going, Something's going to happen in the future. We need to start preparing now. It hasn't happened yet, but we need to start preparing now. I'll just go back to this group because in, um, uh, when we had to cancel our plans post... So we went for the Welcome the King of Glory gathering and we were planning to stay on and, and spend time with some of the Messianic ministries that we'd connected with earlier this year. And we were going to do that based in Tel Aviv. That plan had to be cancelled because of all that was going on. We were planned to then move... Uh, so we cancelled that plan and we planned to move to Christchurch Guesthouse, which is called Emmanuel Guest Centre. Isn't that a good name? God with us, guest house, in Jerusalem, in the old city by the Jaffa Gate. We were going to move there. Um, Long story short, um, we didn't do that because we were offered a repatriation flight by our government and we thought, well, we came for for the gathering, that's finished, so we'll take this flight and we moved to Dubai. But I want you to know that the Emmanuel guest house... They've actually taken in people because Jerusalem being at sort of central is at low risk of rocket damage. And so the the Emmanuel Guest Centre is currently pretty much filled with volunteer staff, of which Abigail Crombie is still there. Kelvin told you about her. She's a volunteer there at the moment. Uh, And uh, Jewish settlers who have been resettled there because of their homes have been destroyed. But also amongst them, and they're they're not Messianic Jews that are there. And they've gone into a Christian environment with Christian staff. And I encourage you to pray for them. Because opportunities have been given to share Christ with them. And also in that is a family from Gaza. Who was in Israel because they got a very sick child. And they're in Israel... Um, for treatment for their child when Hamas committed their atrocities. 
So they're now stuck in Israel. And they find refuge in Emmanuel's guest house. It's a powerful thing. What God's doing, you know. Earlier this year, a group from New Life Church, we led a two-hour prayer meeting in Sukkot Hillel in Jerusalem. Many of you know that. In the last couple of weeks, there was a gathering in Sukkot Hillel, a combined prayer and worship night with Jews, Messianic Jews and Arab Christians, exalting Jesus together. You see, this is the reality. This kind of stuff does not make the media, the mainstream media. They don't talk about these kind of things. The wall that Christ is bringing one new man in himself, forming Jew and Gentile together. So all of these great things are happening. But this question is the one I want to put to us all today. It's a bet, the question of, are we preparing for pressure? Are we preparing for pressure? Because it's going to come. We don't know exactly some of the forms that that might reach us here. It could be as simple as being asked, which side do we support? Whose side are you on in this conflict? by someone who's very militant one way or the other. And we'll be asked, will you, who are you going to stand with? That might be the question that's put to us this week. Might be put to some of you, might have already been put to you in your universities or in your workplaces. Who do you stand with? Being prepared for pressure. Going back to Jesus, he returned to Nazareth. This next slide, thanks. Jesus returned to Nazareth. So he's, had, so he's been in the temple. He's had this conversation. Mum and dad, I'm in my father's house, all that kind of stuff. And then we read this. He returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to him, to them. I love that as a parent and a grandparent. Um, we all want children like Jesus. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. They're, I continue to be inspired by the things that mothers store in their hearts. Fathers store things in their hearts as well, but mothers store different things than fathers in their hearts as their children grow up. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and all the people. I've said already that Jesus grew up under the Roman occupation of Israel and that's a really important piece of information because it tells me that there's hope. It tells me there's hope for oppressed and disadvantaged children everywhere. But the question is, how did Jesus grow in wisdom, stature and favour with God and people? And the answer is not because he's the second person in the Trinity, God incarnate. Like it's just, oh, he just did because he's amazing no he was a normal 12 year old you got if you got a 12 year old he was probably similar to your 12 year old except he obeyed his parents and everything um <laughs> but he grew up that's the point jesus grew up so um side note one of the things you need to recognize in the luke 2 passage is that um in that first few verses there 
when they offered, um, when they were in Jerusalem to make the purification offering, it's not actually in the text, but I enjoy saying this. Um, we know for a fact that the wise men from the east, the Magi, had not appeared at this point in Jesus' life because they, they made the poorest offering. And if they had had gold, they would have given the expensive offering. There's several different offerings that you can give for your child. So study that and throw the wise men out of your nativity scene because they don't belong there until Jesus is at least two years old. But that's for another day. Why'd you say it? Well, I just thought it was interesting. I like to stir people to think. How does a child grow in wisdom and in favour with God and with people? We know very clearly from the scriptures that Jesus told us, but it's also, it's the prophets as well. Paul talks about it, Peter talks about it, that the darkest hours of human history will precede Jesus' return. There'll be wars and there'll be rumours of wars. There'll be famines and earthquakes and extreme weather events. There'll be nations in turmoil and crisis. There'll be rampant idolatry, rampant outward worship of any God other than Jesus. There'll be increasing murder, theft, immorality and drug abuse on a scale we've not seen before. There'll be hate. We will be hated because we belong to Christ. Just the Jews are hated because they are Jews. This is a sobering thing for us to take hold of, to go, that is the direction that Jesus has told us the world is going to go, that the, the sort of safe middle ground foot in both camps is, not, is going to disappear. And we already know that the drift, if you like, has, has widened. And, and it's in our nation, our nation and so many other nations are very divided now. And it's difficult for even people on the so-called left to have conversation with the people on the right and vice versa. There's, because there's, there seems to be no common ground. So here's the questions. Next slide, thanks. What are you doing to prepare for the upheaval that will precede the return of Jesus and carry your heart in unoffendable love? That's going to be a crucial thing. People are going to be betrayed. We may be betrayed by someone who's in this room right now. How will we carry our hearts in the time of pressure and crisis in unoffendable love where we will be able to love our enemies and do good to those who are doing evil to us? How are we training ourselves to endure persecution and mistreatment and how are we preparing our children? These are the important questions and, and I'm not planning to give you like a dot point answers. Here's you do, one, two, three. I'm going to, I'm going to point you to some things because I think you need, we all need to wrestle with this. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favour with God and people. So one of the things I want to ask you is how does, someone grow, how does a child grow in wisdom? How does an adult grow in wisdom? How do you grow in wisdom? And I want to say 
Proverbs 9.10 tells me that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which is, which is to say the respect of God, the honour of God is the beginning of wisdom. That's where wisdom begins from a biblical perspective. And one of the things we all ought to be doing is reading through the book of Proverbs regularly. Parents, it's a great thing. You want your children to grow in wisdom, read through the book of Proverbs with them on a regular basis, at least several times a year. Because wisdom, biblical wisdom, will help a child grow in favour with God, certainly for sure, and also with people as well. One of the things we know about wise people is that they are careful with their words. They're careful with what comes out of their mouth. So I was thinking about this and I remembered the Miranda Rights. I don't know if you know the Miranda Rights, but I've watched enough American television program to know that when they arrest people, they say these things. You have the right to remain silent, right? You heard this, right? Anything you can't say can be used against you in a court. You have the right to talk to a lawyer for advice before you are. You have the right to have a lawyer if you, if you decide to answer questions. Do you understand these rights? And I was thinking about that and I thought, do you know what? This ought to be the thing that, that we all have above our keyboard, on our computer, our iPad, our phone. You have the right to remain silent. There's far too much poor conversation in the body of Christ. The internet is rampant with words that are incriminating Christians. And I thought of Jesus' warning, which is on this next slide from Matthew chapter 12, when Jesus said a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. But if a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. He's, and he's speaking here and he says, You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. If, we, if you ever want to know the truth of, your, what, of what's in your heart, listen to your words, read what you have written when you've been angry, or aggressive or being hurt by someone else. That will tell you what's in your heart because the pressure actually brings to the surface the true condition of our heart. While, we're not, while you are not under pressure and while I'm not under pressure, we can be wonderfully nice. We're all capable of that. It's under pressure, Jesus says, that the... What's in our heart comes to the surface. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And now listen, this kicker from Jesus. And I tell you this, you must give an account on, the, on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. You have the right to remain silent. And a wise person, someone who is growing in wisdom, knows when to speak and when not to speak. And if they speak, what to say and what not to say. This is going to be a crucial thing 
And this, the, going back to that question in the previous slide, it's about carrying our hearts in unoffendable love, right? So in other words, we, we've got to get rid of the junk in our heart right now. We've got to get rid of the bitterness in our hearts right now. The unforgiveness, the little barbs, the thing that we don't think matters because when that pressure comes, those things are just going to rush straight up and out of our mouth. Can guarantee it. Jesus grew up in a small village. These verses from Luke 2 remind us of that reality. And I think there are tremendous blessings in belonging and participating in a, in a Christian community which is like a small village because children get to experience other families and that's a gift. It's a gift to your children to send them to play in other people's homes and to have other people's children come and play in your home even if they make it messy for a little bit. It's a gift for, for children to experience other families, see other marriages. It's a gift of Christian community for single parent families to be a, for children who are in single parent families to be able to interact with other husband and wife role models, to be able to see that some, that their, their, their parents' marriage might not be healthy, but there are other healthy marriages in the church, in the body of Christ. And children get to interact and receive input from aunts and uncles and grandparents in, in many cultures. In fact, in the Asian culture, now that my, one of my sons married a Singaporean and I've had gatherings with the extended Singaporean family, there's some of the adult children in that family that now call me Uncle Wayne and Auntie Julie. And we aren't blood uncle and auntie, but that's the culture, you know, and, and I know that's in other cultures as well where every other adult is an auntie or an uncle that's in the home. And they're considered to be like that. So there's this gift of this interaction with other families. And one of the great blessings is teenagers. Teenagers are a great blessing. And one of the blessings that you have in a Christian community and even young adults, those of you that are having birthdays this weekend and <laughs> others, others who are sitting around the place, the thing is you get other adults to, you get to ask other adults, talk to other adults about things you might want to talk to your parents. When I was, the church I was growing up in often had conversations with older people, peers who were my mum and dad's peers, but I was in their home and I would talk to them about things that I felt awkward talking about my, to my mum and dad with. And so it's a gift for you teenagers to have adults that you can talk to outside of your, of your parents. And we'll be careful in how we speak to you. And it's important for children to be growing up in a Christian community that understands that God's way of redeeming the world is centred on his covenant with Abraham and the people of Israel. It's a covenantal relationship. So, let me close with, the, with these things again. Jesus grew up prepared for pressure. I want to encourage all of you today. You see, one of the things that no one... Uh, Israel regularly has rockets fired 
over them, fired at them, missiles, right? And every one of those missiles is targeted at a civilian uh, population, not a military installation, very rarely at a military installation. But no one was expecting Hamas to do what it did on October the 7th, to break through the wall, to send in a couple of thousand um, terrorists to just massacre people. No one was expecting that. No one saw that coming. And the consequences were deadly. But the people who were in Israel who, were pre who had prepared and trained for that eventuality, they fared better than others. So it's this question of how are we preparing for pressure? Because the pressure is coming. It's not that it will never come. We don't know when. We do know it will come. And how are we preparing for it? And one of the things we need to be doing is having conversations like this and be having conversations as families. And parents, don't rescue your children from every difficult situation. I mean, unless it's, you know, really life and death, obviously. But, you know, but train them. Train them how to respond. Train them in their identity in Christ that they are not who their peer group say they are. All these kinds of things, so important. Okay, so just these questions to finish with. What are we doing to prepare for the upheaval? It will be incredible upheaval that will precede the return of Jesus and so that we carry our hearts in undefendable love. To me, that's the key part. We're not doomsday preppers. We're not just stockpiling cans for ourselves. We're going, how will I express the love of God to people in extreme pressure? How will I, how can I, what can I do now to train myself for persecution and mistreatment? One of the ways you can do that is simply be bold enough to, to um uh, not hide your opinion or your support for Israel right now. And your support, by the way, for um, the church in Gaza and in Lebanon as well. Remember, there are Christians in Gaza, there are Christians in Lebanon, and there are people from those places who live amongst us. In, we have the gift in New Life Church of... Israelis and Lebanese. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, you can just ask around and find out. And we love them all. And we grieve the loss of life everywhere. So, some of you might be here today and you've never prayed to surrender your life to Jesus. And that's the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. So I'm going to invite you, everyone to stand and there's a prayer that's going to come up on the screen and I'm going to invite us all to pray this together. I know many of you have prayed prayers similar like this before but for people in the room who may be praying it for the first time which might include some children and teenagers even though they've been in and around the church they've not actually prayed something like this. I, let's pray this together out loud. God, thank you for your mercy and kindness to me, despite my hatred, indifference and apathy towards you. 
Today I accept your gracious invitation to your new creation where everything in heaven and on earth is under the authority of Christ. I bow my knees and surrender full control of my life to King Jesus. I commit to learn to know, love and obey Jesus. Connect me to someone in this church who will help me learn your will and ways. God, I have friends who need to know about your wonderful invitation. Open my mouth to share it and open their hearts to accept your invitation. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.